Hi, Cult Hackers. Stephen here. Thank you for being with us today for our interview with Nerissa and Lara from Two Girls, One Cult. A link to their podcast can be found in the show notes, as well as a couple of other podcasts that are part of the cross-promo series we're involved in with a number of other indie podcasts. This week, we're featuring our friends, the I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist podcast and Witness Underground. So links to their podcast will be in the notes too. I also wanted to let you know that if you enjoy the podcast, you can support it by becoming a patron for just £1 or $1.50 US a month. And benefits include an exclusive weekly patron-only podcast called Cult Hackers Extra and access to a monthly catch-up with Celine and me. And the link to our Patreon page is also in the show notes. So thanks again for joining us. Here's our interview with Nerissa and Lara. Hello and welcome to the podcast Cult Hackers. I'm Celine, a media graduate with an interest in cults. And I'm Stephen Mather, organisational psychologist, also interested in cults and was in one for 30 mm-hmm. years. Okay, great. Well, we're very excited today, um, aren't we, Celine? Why are we so excited? Because we've got guests. It's, so we've got guests. <laughs> it's always nice to have guests, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's also great because we've got another sort of family. So we kind of mm-hmm. like the father-daughter thing that's going on mm-hmm. with our podcast. But we've got two sisters today with their own podcast. So welcome, Nerissa and Lara from the Two Girls, One Cult podcast. Uh, hi, thank Hello. you for having us. <laughs> Absolutely, our pleasure. Um, it's great to meet fellow podcasters. Um, I... I looked specifically on the podcast apps rather than YouTube because I know there's lots of YouTubers and they do a great job. Um, but I kind of, I'm a big fan of podcasts and that's, so I thought, is there anybody that's just doing podcasts? I think you're, you're like us. You don't have a YouTube channel you just kind of, it's just about the podcast. It's right. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, face radio, you know, so it's. (laughs) You've stolen my line. You've stolen my joke. (laughs) (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) just thought it'd be fun to do the podcasts and yeah try and kind of go that way and instead of because I I feel as well that on YouTube it's quite oversaturated Mm. at the moment so it's just nice for us to go the podcast route yeah 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 Yeah, I really like it I mean I'm a big fan of radio anyway and um, listening to uh audio i think is great you can just stick an earbud in and get on with your housework or whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and um yeah so yeah anyway, i basically that's... turn all of youtube into podcasts anyway because that's what well, i that's do right. i put it on yeah. in the background and wander about yeah. so yeah no yeah. makes sense but um, it's so great to talk to you so you, you're fairly new as a podcast how long have you been going so we have just released um, episode five. Um, so we're super new, you know. <laughs> it's just, it's been something that we've been thinking about for a long time and then just dived in and done it. So um, any feedback or engagement about our podcast would be wonderful. Um, and yeah, and we're super excited to be on here um, with you guys too. Well, no, it's it's we're really excited too. Sorry, Celine, I interrupted you. No, that's fine. I was just going to say, no, it's really. I think that's the best thing of podcasts, though, is to just get into it. Because I don't think, in terms of planning up front, I think it's just a matter of more doing it and seeing what works for you. Um, like I think we did a lot of planning up front and then completely changed what we were doing anyway. Do you know what I mean? So I mm. guess it's kind of good to just get on and start doing it, and you find what you want to talk about and how you want to talk about it as you kind of do it. So. That's true. Um, so you're you're both ex Jehovah's Witnesses. We should say that um, from the off. So, um, and your two sisters, and your podcast is called Two Girls, One Cult. Um, so let's let's get a bit of a story of of yours, if that's okay. Um, just to to get to know you, it would be great to introduce you to our listeners. I'm sure loads of them will want to <laughs> hop across to listen to your channel. So tell us who you are, if that's okay. Um, who wants to start? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nerissa, do you want to go first? <laughs> sure, sure, of course. Um, well, we we both have grown up uh, Jehovah's Witnesses from very small children. 
I myself left uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses when I was 22 years old. So I won't tell you my age. <laughs> I won't give it all away. Um, but I have been out for, I would say, probably now just over kind of 12, 13 years. Um, I think for me, I had thought about um, doing a podcast for a really long time. Well, I was actually kind of mulling over whether to do YouTube or do a podcast. And I did talk to Lara about this a long time ago, maybe about five years ago. And I said that I was thinking about doing something on my own. And then we decided that we wanted to share our experiences with um, everyone, um, ex-Jehovah's Witnesses and also people who didn't know about Jehovah's Witnesses and um, just tell everybody that we had um, a, a unique but maybe not so unique experience. We know that there's a lot of people out there that have had the same kind of experiences as, as us um but I think we wanted to share with everybody and just try and get it out there absolutely what about yourself Laura so for me my journey into a quote unquote a normal life mm-hmm. um was very different to my sister's in that I don't think she ever really believed it whereas mm-hmm. I and I was a thousand percent in wanted to do everything right Mm. and then I left eventually because it wasn't making me happy I was still convinced I was going to die at Armageddon Mm -hmm. but I just I wasn't happy so I thought well if I'm going to die anyway I may as well just enjoy myself and then I left and it took me a good uh, seven eight years to even think well maybe maybe it's not true, you know, maybe this isn't all the the stuff that we've been told as we're growing up, maybe it's not true. Um, And my sister had for a long time, as she said previously, talked about, you know, let's do a YouTube channel, we should do this. I was like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, you know, Mm. and it's only really, really recently that we've been talking and I'm like, actually, I think I'm ready to talk about this, but it's, it's taken me a really long time. Yeah, I'm just glad I, I got that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that's really interesting. I mean, that's so interesting because you're your your sisters, but you have such a different experience. And this, I think, was something that as I was listening to both your stories, so I should say that um we obviously want to hear about your stories, but for a full uh, a full sort of life history, then um hop over to your channel because you you have an episode where you interview one of you interviews the other and then the next episode mm. you do the opposite way around which is a nice way of doing that and um so you know listeners can can find out the full story there but um yeah i think that the way that people experience both being in as a jehovah's witness or another type of high control group um is very different to one another and the process of leaving is very different of course there's lots of similarities but the the experience, you know, has lots of individual aspects of it too. So I suppose, um, Lara, you were what they call physically out, mentally in. So when you leave homie, when you leave and you still mm. believe it, I that frightens me. I can't imagine how awful that must be. Um, am I overstating it? No, you're really not. It's really, really horrible. Mm. And I really empathise with anybody going through a similar situation because you are convinced you, you ha- it's a very sort of nihilistic way of living mm. oh I'm, I'm, I'm gonna die mm. you know at some point um Jehovah is gonna bring Armageddon I'm a terrible sinner um I'm blood guilty I have possibly committed the unforgivable sin because we're told that as soon as you have knowledge you're accountable and I had all the knowledge so therefore I was fully accountable for all my actions Mm. um and for a lot of the time yeah it was pretty dark I left and I just did everything just because I thought well I may as well you know Mm. because I've left um and it yeah it took me a surprisingly long amount of time to to really be like "Mm, 
yeah, maybe, maybe I'm okay. Maybe I'm not a bad person. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's really horrible. But one of the things that really, really helped me were podcasts. Um, and that's why I felt, again, sort of going back to the previous question, why I felt quite strongly about um, being able to create a podcast that will hopefully just help other people that are in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. When um, you're in that sort of situation, do you feel... Um, so even though you've kind of left and you, you're saying you were trying sort of different sorts of things or like sort of in the world because you were like, well, it doesn't matter anyway. But did it take you a while to start engaging with that kind of like, um, let's call it apostate content because you're still in that a different mindset where, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're, you're completely right. Absolutely. I was still terrified of it. Absolutely mm. terrified of it because um, that was almost the unforgivable is that like the final line yes Mm. absolutely looking at that apostate stuff and even though I was out of it I would never criticize it never Mm. criticize it always you know maybe go to the memorial you know once a year you know Mm. maybe token listen to a a meeting that was online during Mm -hmm. um you know or you could listen to them over the phone that's right you Mm -hmm. could dial in listen to over the phone so sometimes I would do that um but yeah never even I think I almost kind of just blocked out general religion and witnesses I was just like I'm not even going to think about that I can't process it mm-hmm. um I just focus on the here and now but in not really a very healthy way more like a hedonistic way mm. it's self-defeating by the organization really to create a situation where they they make it so that people feel so disheartened that they, think they might as well leave because they're going to die anyway so why not <laughs> i just leave and have fun you know that's just a, a crazy way to uh to, to treat people even if you think just in terms of help you know what the organization might want uh Nerissa, mm. you, you're very different though you you said you never really believed it yes no from a very young age I always thought I'd say probably from the age of about 10 I always thought the material and the literature was very contradictory um the patriarchy I always found just hypocritical uh, not just that I mean there were some really lovely people who were in it and I really enjoyed being with them but overall I just didn't believe it. I didn't believe that there could be a God out there who would make so many people suffer. And I just, I just didn't believe it. I just didn't think it was something that I wanted to stay in, even though I did stay. I think I stayed for, because I was scared. I think I was scared of leaving. And then one day I just thought, okay, I've had enough. And, um, and when I was about 22 and the funny thing is is that I got baptized um at 21 and then a year later I left mm-hmm. and it was because I was getting baptized for other people not for myself and I just felt like I've done too many things for other people I need to leave I need to do this for my mental health um need to do it for me for something for something that I wanted to do for once and I just left and it was the best thing that I could Mm -hmm. have done for my mental health definitely Um, but I I do feel I didn't feel the same way academically as my sister in regards to the literature I because I have um, ADHD so I find really difficult to concentrate and uh, among other things so I didn't see myself as one of those ones who were kind of really into the literature and could put myself out there as in on the ministry and that kind of thing. But um, I I just didn't think it was the right thing to do. It was my intuition, I think. (laughs) It's interesting. I I get frustrated with myself sometimes. Um, You know, I was 30 by the time I actually got, got round to, leaving um and i i still wonder why um i'd had doubts for a long time but i really wanted to believe it i think you know we're the the, yes. the the theme here is that we end up uh living a life that we've got this terrible thing hanging over us um either it's the the feeling that we're not doing enough and we're not being faithful enough and 
where we could be singing against the Holy Spirit and oh yeah, blood guiltiness. That's a classic. That's one we've talked about quite a lot mm-hmm. on this podcast. Um, so you've got that fear, but then you've got the fear when you leave, you've got the fear of dying at Armageddon if you still believe it. So mm-hmm. all this behavior driven by fear, it's, um, it's so unfortunate and so unnecessary, uh, which is one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I think it's important to talk about it really. Um, you know, because mm-hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses seem happy when you look at them. Mm-hmm. They generally have a slightly forced smile, a lot of them, um, when you see them. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what's going on underneath is is probably quite hard. I know it was for me, um, and it sounds like it was for you, you two also. That's a really interesting point because... I remember having a conversation with when I was a a real fully involved Jehovah's Witness, a sister's husband who wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. He was asking me, I had just started pioneering, you know, so I was right in there, right in the zone, right in the the centre of the congregation. They they, they used, well, they like to call it, don't they? Um, And this guy was going you know and, and, and you, you quit your job and you, you work part-time and you pioneer doesn't don't you feel like frustrated and I was going no I feel amazing I remember telling him <laughs> this and then afterwards going home and just feeling a bit empty and I'm going why do I have to sell it so much that I'm so happy it's a bit like the you know she doth protest too much you mm. know why have you got to tell everyone how happy you are if you are genuinely happy yeah Question. we were talking a little bit I think um just in mine and dad's conversation yesterday we we're talking about identity and sort of putting on a show um and I think this is kind of coming out again we we're talking a bit about the exhaustion of masking basically or because <laughs> you're trying to you know be a particular way and it sort of present to a group the way they want you to present um to them and to come across in the way that is the social acceptable of that particular group so it and it's exhausting to it's exhausting to pretend to be happy at the best times even if you're just doing it you don't want to talk about something you just want to get home but if it's the whole life and putting on a pretense all the time that it's actually fantastic wonderful brilliant no wonder people go home in the knackered you know <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. I was I was exhausted you're so right mm-hmm. I, I was exhausted um doing that and 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 it yeah it was a very sort of hollow feeling mm-hmm. yeah I think I also I found it exhausting um because sometimes I didn't actually realize this until later on in life but I have a little bit of social anxiety and this was before it was trendy mm-hmm. but, uh, <laughs> but um and and, and uh, when I used to go to the kingdom halls and the congregations I used to find it really difficult and I used to push myself to speak to people because that's what you should do you need to speak to your elders you need to respect them and obviously but you do need to speak to all these different kinds of people and mm-hmm. I think you it's forcing you to speak to people who you probably wouldn't want to speak to mm-hmm. if you were out of the Jehovah's Witnesses. So it's something that I think that is very much put upon you when it comes to fear and kind of facing your fears. I mean, I really didn't like that, the fact that mm-hmm. I had to go up and talk to someone who wasn't very nice who there there were quite a few of them now congregation but they they had a few people there who were quite mean and they I think they look down on us as well because there is definitely a hierarchy when it comes to um I was going to say anxiety but I was going to money basically so working class kind of middle class and Mm. that kind of thing and it, it was hard. It was really hard because you can you could definitely tell they did look down on us. Mm-hmm. And that kind of fed into my um, anxiety as well, because you would have these people who would look down on you and think something really quite judgmental and prejudiced against you. Um, and you were just trying your hardest, you know, and you, you never felt enough because you never felt enough for Jehovah and for other people and you're doing it for other people. And 
And even though the witnesses do try and put across it, no, you shouldn't do it for other people, you should do it for Jehovah, it, it kind of is for other people. You are doing it for reputation. So for the people in the congregation, you're doing it for the elders. And I don't think I ever did anything for me. I mean, I don't I don't know how Lara <laughs> kind of feels about that, but I never feel like um, I did anything for myself that I wanted to do, which is sad, really. It's just the controlling and manipulation. Yeah, that's interesting. I I feel like I definitely went through like a massive delusional stage where I had almost deluded myself into thinking, this is for me, this is for my relation. Well, I don't know. This is my relationship with God or my spiritual relationship. And I'd really convinced myself of that. I don't know if I had possibly been brainwashed. I don't like to use that word, but um, or manipulated, you know, by the organisation. But yeah, reputation is huge. And having the elders or someone go, oh, you're doing such a good job. Or when they put you on the platform or when they put you on the assembly and they're like, oh, look, look at her. She's so good. I mean, oh, it just feeds your ego, doesn't it? You just, you love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> G'day, I'm Troy. And I'm Brian. And we're the hosts of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist, an ex-evangelical podcast. We used to be loyal members and leaders in Australian Christian megachurches, but we're not anymore. I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist is an honest and hilarious peek behind the curtain at the weird, the worrying, and sometimes traumatic world of evangelicals and Pentecostals. We share our stories, we interview prominent guests in the global evangelical space and provide a platform for others to tell their stories about their time in evangelicalism and their journey out. Shortlisted at the recent Australian Podcast Awards, I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist gives you a unique global perspective into one of the fastest growing religions in the world from the people who actually lived it. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and IWasAteenageFundamentalist.com. One of the questions I wanted to ask you about was the culture um, within Jehovah's Witnesses, because you talk about that, I think, a bit, quite a bit in your podcast. And I find it fascinating, really. It's um, obviously Jehovah's Witnesses, they have their own way of doing things. They have a certain way of, obviously, way of thinking about the world, but also within the organisation, what's considered normal, normal behaviour, you know, and you've you've covered some of that there. I think I think it's very interesting. Um the experience of being a witness can be very, very different. You know, mm -hmm. I was um, very much like you, Lara. I was kind of very much in it and really, I had all these doubts, but I really wanted to believe it. Mm -hmm. And that was my struggle. But I, you know, I was right at the thick of things. And so that's, for me, leaving was leaving all of that behind. And it, it was a way for me to feel, that I was part of a community and I had some value. Of course, it's it's much more difficult for women in a way because you you had so much fewer opportunities to to do things. You know, I know you talk about that as well, and it's absolutely right. You know, there's a slightly what I would call a greasy pole that men can climb, um, and although they don't get paid for any of it, there is some status associated with you know, all being able to do the microphones and then, oh, being able to, to do the literature and then, oh, being able to give a talk and then, you know, and there's a kind of progression there. But for women, um, it's so limited. Um, and that's a, a really, um, I think, profound cultural difference to what it's like on the outside uh, these days. I don't know whether you've got any thoughts about that. Uh, I know Narissa has very strong thoughts, so I'm going to let her go first. <laughs> go for it. Um... Sorry, can you just repeat? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a. There, there wasn't much of a question in there. I realised that as I'd yeah. finished, but, but I, think, <laughs> I suppose I'd, I'd like to get your take on the culture. Yeah. Um, there's the misogyny. There's the, um, the 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 doing of work. Um, there's just what it's like to go into a meeting. Just what it's like to have this belief of of you've got this worldwide brotherhood all of this is kind of a cultural thing you know it's a it, these are taken for granted things mm -hmm. that it's like being a jehovah's witness so yeah i wondered what your observation about the culture is and what was the difference when you left you know how did you then look back and you think wow that's actually that's very different to the way that most people behave 
I mean, I think, uh, like we were talking about before, like you were saying, women don't really have a chance to do much of anything as far as privileges go. So you don't really get to do things like public talks. I mean, we did talks, but you couldn't read from the Bible. And um, I think that would have been a really interesting thing to do. Myself, I, I wanted to do that, but you, as a woman, you can't. So um, this is like standing up on the platform, doing a talk, reading the Bible to the, the audience, um, or even like a short talk about a Bible-based subject so that the men mm. can do that. Um, but it doesn't matter how intelligent, mm. how skillful you are as a woman, that will never be open to you. Mm. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, they, ha they had things like that, uh, smaller kind of privileges where they could, with the microphones, so I as a woman can never kind of go around, not that I'd want to, to be honest, but uh, you can go around with the mic. Actually, no, I was really interested in that. Yeah. I really wanted to do it. It's great just, fun. Just really interesting to do. Sorry, I just completely flipped around there. Um, yeah. But I think I, I would like to do something, well, back then I wanted to um and I know that they they also said if you're in an all-woman household I mean we were we grew up in a single parent family and I know that they had um a, a scripture I can't remember what it was but if it was all women in your household the the leader who is take it hosting the your group or bible study had to put on a kind of head covering mm. um and i remember when we were younger that my our mum used to do that with us oh and she used to put God. on the head covering yeah. because there wasn't a man in the household and because yeah, our dad he, our parents were divorced um from very young and um our dad he had he had issues he had problems and he was disfellowshipped and so at that time i don't think he was even a part of the uh, jehovah's witness community even though he's kind of heavily indoctrinated into it um but he has a lot of issues and mental health issues too with that but i do remember because there wasn't a man in the house that's what you had to do during a study so i mean just little things like that and I think with that relating back to feeling good enough as a woman, I think you feel like you're not good enough because a man has to be there in order for you not to wear a head covering. Mm. And this is just a study at home. This is just yeah. in your own environment with your children or your family. And it's, and that's how they're controlling what you do at home mm -hmm. as well. Um, and th those are just a few things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I, I don't agree with it. It's very patriarchal. Um, and I think when I remember when I used to talk to the elders, I used to always be talked to and counselled on a lot of things <laughs> when I was younger. And um, I think in one of our podcast episodes, I was talking about kind of gender roles and identities because... Uh, this one example I went to the meeting and I wore a silk scarf for a tie mm. and I was told by one of the elders that I looked too masculine and that basically I just needed to take it off and I need to look more feminine um, and that is just one of the things that I was mm. cancelled on but it just shows you how the women they want their women very subservient um they they need them to be in their place mm. and that's something i did not agree with and when they and they they faced me and they said listen they did talk to me and they said you look like a man and <laughs> i know oh, that nice. obviously i didn't mm. look like a man i just looked like a woman wearing a silk scarf and um it's it's quite unbelievable mm. the kinds of things they do to kind of try and get into your head mm -hmm. and um but those that's just one of the things yeah. anyway i know that that's one of the things mm -hmm. that really gets your goat selene isn't it, it um, yeah <laughs> yeah i'm sure <laughs> everyone knows <laughs> these days about when i go off on my little rants but yeah it, it's because it's just i mean to talk to what you're saying about the um, head covering mm -hmm. thing as well it's some i remember um another one of our guests mentioning that you know if their younger brother when they got to around eight 
they now are expected to lead because they were the the man now you mm. know above their mother who will tell them to eat their vegetables in a few hours you know um mm. and it's just like well, what is this why why are we behaving like this why what it just is very demoralizing <laughs> um mm. and, and just yeah the in the infantilizing of, of women basically being like oh, we'll have your son of eight years old lead you spiritually in this session because he'll be more suitable mm. to it um or yeah the when I've asked the question why can't you know and I asked this as a child so it was a fairly innocent ask but I remember the answer as to why women can't lead or be in charge or whatever I phrased it as as a child and it was because women are too emotional and they'll get they'll make poor decisions based on those emotions um mm. which is just I, I hasten to add it wasn't me that gave her that answer yeah, well, um, but no. it, so, so Selena <laughs> i'm asking a witness but in fairness you know um my answer would have been equally misogynistic um, at the time obviously at not, the time yeah. wouldn't it because you know that's that's what we were uh led to believe so mm -hmm. yeah unfortunately people are trapped into these belief systems um okay i i want to ask you um both a question um that sometimes i get asked and i see it on um i suppose criticisms of the sorts of things we're doing so the the thing that i get sometimes and i'd be interested in your um take on this you know is well why can't you just leave and just get on with your life um and just leave it all behind you know why do you have to keep talking mm. about it why do you have to do a podcast about it or a youtube thing about it or even talk about it at all just get on with your life leave it behind <laughs> and just mm. um you know if that's what you want you go and do that so what's your what's your response to that because i know what mine is but i'd be interested in your your thoughts on that well i'm happy to to go first on this one because that's exactly what i did I did that and I did yep. that for a good seven, eight, nine years. But being able to, to, to vocalize your experience, talk about your experience, empathize with other people, unfortunately, and I would never have said this even maybe a year ago, but I think Jehovah's Witnesses are actually dangerous and they do actually harm people. So I think it's important to discuss it. Of course, it's always your choice. If it's someone's choice with all the information, mm. they want to be a Jehovah's Witness, that's absolutely fine. Um, I'm never going to go knocking on their door and tell them not to do it. <laughs> but you know, I just, I think as part of freedom of speech and freedom of information people should know how other people have felt being in it leaving and you know that whole journey afterwards as well great answer yeah i totally agree with that mm. um what about you Nerissa? what's your thoughts on that yes i i think i think similar to what laura said i do think the teachings are very damaging um especially the two witness rule and when I first learned about that um I had some experiences myself within um the Jehovah's Witnesses with sexual abuse when I was young and I just could not believe that you had to have you had to go face your abuser and you had to face um, what four or five elders, depending on the committee, the judicial committee, um, that you had to face these people and have two witnesses as well. And it, it, it couldn't just be you talking about your experience and, and what happened. And I think that's a very dangerous rule to have. Um, and I really needed to talk about that. It, I wanted to talk about it to, to people in general. And I know um, there were quite a lot of people. When I first started looking at apostate material, I went on YouTube. And even then, I was in my late 20s. And I, I found it really quite a scary thing. Because if you haven't looked at that kind of material before or listened to it, you do have this um, underlying fear of guilt and shame um, just listening to apostate material. And it's, that, and it's a scary word. 
Um, well, mm. to me, it was anyway. At that time, it was quite a scary word and it's stigmatized. But I think um, I think that it's a good thing to do to be able to get these um, teachings out and for other people who are possibly kind of on the cusp of leaving um, and just just say it, it's okay not to believe this it's okay to feel like these are dangerous teachings you need to make up obviously your own decision um but it's it's really good just to let people know and there are a lot of other things to do with the literature and the witnesses um using the bible to uh, to what they feel is best um but i i yeah that's definitely mm. one thing that i wanted to get out there about the teachings yeah so it's, it's sort of alerting the world to these dangerous um doctrines or pro policies i suppose more mm. than doctrines policies. in a way i mean mm. you know it's the policies that that um that create these things like the two witness rule um which obviously for those listening that don't know what we're talking about there this is the the policy that says um, that for any kind of action to be taken in the congregation against somebody who's been accused of something, then there has to be two witnesses. So in the case of sexual abuse, for instance, that's obviously very, very unlikely unless the person has been um, doing this thing in multiple situations and but there's going to be a long time before that and comes to light. There's so. a cultural aspect to it as well, mm. as we've discussed, which is the whole don't, you know, don't take your brother to court or don't, mm. you know, don't sort of point fingers amongst each other. So if one person's mm. brave enough to come out, it's difficult to guarantee you're going to get someone else mm. brave enough because unfortunately these sort of predators and these groups do go after multiple people, but you know it's incredibly hard to come forward in a situation where you know they don't really want to know and they don't you know they don't mm. they don't want to come after these people <laughs> and that's how it feels I mean I'm sure people would disagree with me but I mean everyone we've spoken to has, has felt the immense pressure of of not talking about it and if they have talked about it putting it under the rug so you know it's mm. uh, it's an important so reason to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's those policies. And there's also the 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 fact that, you know, it's it's like a desire, isn't it, to talk about your experience. There's something important about that for your own uh, mental health, I think, that you you feel like this thing has happened to me. I want to tell people about it, yeah. you know, and that's not yeah. everybody wants to do that, but I think some of us do, and mm -hmm. that's a completely normal, normal yeah. desire especially mm. after they spent a long time encouraging everyone to tell everyone how happy they were. So you, you kind of want to set the book straight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is also that whole, um, dual, oh, what do you call it? Double where it's mm. fine, body else, but you can't be critical of them, you know, and they're incredibly critical about mm. vast numbers of organizations, the Catholic church, they're forever slagging that oh. off. <laughs> that's a, that's an absolute, <laughs> Yeah. That's a pastime, that is. Yeah. Slagging off Isn't the it? Church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and it that's that's very hypocritical. Yeah. Um, and as you say, they uh, I mean, this is the irony, they've trained us to be good at um talking to people and putting our points across. Um, and they've trained us with a philosophy that says you should speak out, you should tell the world about this thing that's so important. So yeah, no surprise when when you leave, there's a lot of people that have those skills and desire um, to do the same thing, but from the other perspective, I think. Check out witnessunderground.com about artists who've escaped cults. We have three different forms of journalism from a film, a YouTube series, and a podcast. The podcast is very active. We're launching season two, January 2023. And the story link on that site talks about the body of work that we've already created and what we're continuing to create, the mission, the intention, and our artist grant application where you can submit to take home $1,000 to work on your art project on the topic. The only criteria is, would be that you have a great idea, that our panel awards, but also that you have some association with this particular religion, Jehovah's Witnesses, at some point in your life. doesn't matter how long it's been. And we also have a blog, a regular writing series, 
The press has been really interesting. When we did our film festival run in 2021, we got a lot of press. We are on a lot of radio programs and a lot of podcasts. And you can see all of that content there, which is really exciting. And it's fun to have launched this new website. And the art page will have shortly all of our products we have for sale from t-shirts to the music from all the bands in the film to artists who are actively making new music that we've highlighted on the podcast and films that you can watch from other activists. It's an exciting time to be launching the grant and the new site and the film. That should be out in April. We're launching it. The target date for release is ahead of the Jehovah's Witness holiday that they call the Memorial and the Jewish people call the Passover event. So April 4th is the actual date and we are shooting for ahead of that for a public release, ideally on ad-based services such as Tubi for you to watch. So Stay, stay ahead of that, pay attention to the website, subscribe on the website, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and search on YouTube for Witness Underground Podcast. That's where we've been launching everything. We have just launched on Buzzsprout as a distribution, so we should be on Spotify shortly. Thank you so much for following. Like, subscribe, share as much as you can, and let any artist that you know who has any affiliation with this religion, that they can apply for the $1,000 grant that we are putting together as a goodwill to the community and an exciting way to bring new art to the community that is part of the healing process. Uh, thanks for sticking around, and check out witnessunderground.com. What's I think that the other element that we like to talk about a lot on the podcast is, um, is after you've left. So the battles of... Uh, making sense of the world after you've left so Lara you've talked a bit about your gradually realizing that actually you know you weren't going to die at Armageddon um, because there isn't anything the god Armageddon isn't coming who knows what's going to happen but it's definitely not going to be a destruction of the wicked by god um, so you're not worried about that but just making sense of the world you know um, coming to terms with lots of things I know you talk about sexuality in your podcast um, mm. And how you feel about um, various different issues? Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that process? What's it like trying to make sense of a whole world uh, when when you leave? Absolutely, and I think it's it's the little things that really get you, you know. And you're just like, like for example, I am rubbish at buying gifts for people because I didn't <laughs> celebrate birthdays and Christmas for so long. Um, <laughs> And just little things like when I first left, I was incredibly trusting and naive. You know, I got into this relationship with this awful drug addict, had no idea he was doing loads of drugs because I just I had never seen it. I had never seen anything. I never had any friends when I was at school that were like that Well, because I wasn't supposed to have any friends at school. You know, I was so naive um, and it took me a long, long time to sort of navigate it. And a lot of being burnt, things that I should have experienced having that normal growing up possibly call it a teenage experience that I just never had I had it much later um and and just learning how to look after yourself and learning how to speak to people and make friends and relate to people and not just try and tell them your opinion which <laughs> I think is something that you're trained yeah. to do and expecting them to agree with you you know and I've, I've got to the point now where actually I really enjoy those conversations where someone doesn't agree with me because I think they're healthy and they're expanding. Um, but it just, I, I feel like in some things um, I'm a very, very late starter and very late bloomer. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm still learning and, and we all are really. Um, but yeah, it's just those little things sometimes that catch me out. I'm trying to think of yeah. another good example. One might come to me, but yeah, okay. that, that's sort of generally it. Larissa, what about you? I think for me, it was all about starting over again, completely unlearning what you've learned. I mean, how do you do that? So all of those years that you had been brought up on the teachings of uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses and how they live life, how they uh, engage with people, at, um, how they get get generally just live and I think leaving it, it was really good for me but I think at the same time it I came to a realization that I had a lot of mental health issues um, as well as complex PTSD 
uh, and a lot of other things. I have um, mental health issues, so many of them. Um, and when I came out of it, I had all of these difficulties. I had um, an eating disorder um, among uh, what other things that I have. And I came out thinking, wow, what, what do I do with this? Where do I go? How do I start? Um, how do I go forward? And I think the best thing to do is, for me anyway, was to go see a professional, a uh, medical professional, really kind of talk through um, my issues and what I have been through um, with the Jehovah's Witnesses, but also with my parents and um, shunning as well. And I had a lot of abandonment issues because all of the my friends that I was very attached to that had just completely cut me off and that's what they have learned to do and that they do um but that I think that really hurt me quite a lot because these people I'd grown up with I I'd known them ever since I was a four-year-old child so somebody who who's known you for so long and who knows who you are um and have that kind of tribal community um and they just completely cut you off and they don't want to know who you are now I think for me that was um that was really hard that was really hard because I I form quite um deep connections um I'm sure everybody does but with mine I think I can I I think with mine, I sometimes I get a little bit, um, bit too kind of deep and bit maybe a bit clingy, with, which is what I've learned about myself now. Um, and I've learned so much about myself. And I'd say having therapy, starting over, making really healthy friendships that are not conditional, um, that that really does save you. Um, because there are so many fantastic people, worldly people, quote unquote, <laughs> who who are lovely and who will really want to support you, want to encourage you, want you to do well and want you to thrive. Um, and I think for me that that was the the best thing. But it was it, it was a hard, rough start, especially with um, with my mum. Obviously, she, she didn't um like that I that I told her that I didn't want to be a part of it and for a long time she every time she talked to me she'd say you're going to die at Armageddon I'm not going to see you again um and she just she would ignore me for a really long time and mm. I think you just get used to you kind of get used to the being solitary and kind of isolating yourself which isn't a good thing either mm. So it's just getting out there, making some great friends who can be your family also. Um, you don't just have, there, there doesn't have to just be that family. Yeah. You can you can make so many amazing friends that can be a part of your, you know, non-bio family. And I think that's really saved me. I've got some, not many, but I've got some fantastic friendships who really did believe in me and really did kind of push me to to do what I want to do and and also those who understood what it was like uh coming out of the Jehovah's Witnesses so I think it's really good to have that understanding as well um yeah and yeah I think that helped that helped me yeah that's interesting I mean making friends was one of my um other questions really because I think that's that is mm. that can be so difficult can't it um you, you've not really mm. learned to to make friends you know you kind of just you're just there with them aren't you at the mm. kingdom hall and they're mm. the only they're your only option so okay then you can be my friend you know but um when you leave you're you're sort of a, a, aware that you kind of need to make friends really but you don't really have those old ones anymore and um I mean, I've talked about this before. I, I I felt like I went through a stage where I was probably came across as a bit slightly desperate, you know, um, which isn't great mm -hmm. to make friends. People don't want to make friends mm -hmm. with desperate people. <laughs> so it, it's kind of it's kind of hard. I think I've settled down a lot now, but um, but it, it yeah, it can be really hard. I think um, you can get through it, and that's you know that's the positive news that 
that you've uh, you've given us there. Yeah, just mentioning again, yeah, the the people that you end up sort of being friends with, or yeah, because it's just who happens to be in that bubble that you're in, or um, or like you're talking about, you know, having to put yourself out there and talk to these people as well afterwards after the meeting finishes, or like these, you know, being the people you talk to. It's that it it just made me think again. It's um, when Dad uses the like the business organizational psychology. Um, frameworks it makes a lot of sense because yeah it is very much like when you have a work meeting isn't it and then there's the networking portion at the end and it's like mm. go out and you know engage with each other and yeah there's a lot of yeah again it's yeah. just it, it's that mental tiredness it creates isn't it it's, you're still on don't don't finish yet go around do the rounds but if you want to meet weren't... if you want to meet someone to to you know get married to because that's a lot of high pressure as well mm. for a lot of people um you know so go around and put your face out and you know do do that and you know if you're if you're a man and you want to get get onto the podium well you better be talking to the right people and getting them to like you and show showing that you're doing the hours it's very much like a workplace where everyone's well again dad to what you just said you know trying to not come across as desperate but then making you kind of behave in that way it's a it's a weird environment (laughs) It's so weird. Absolutely right. Yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say, I remember, I don't know whether you remember these talks, but um, every now and again, you'd have a talk about widening out. Do you remember Mm. those widening out talks? Yes, I do. Absolutely. So widening out (laughs) meant that you, like, it's hard enough anyway, you've got to stuck with these people, but you, um, like, you know, like any human being, you tend to, to sort of slot into a familiar pattern you know so you go to the meetings you sit in the same general side of the kingdom hall that you always sit about five rows back or wherever you would normally sit and of course you then end up sort of seeing the same people and and making friends with the same people and so there was always this um every now and again there was this widening out council you know widen out um find somebody that you haven't spoken to before and, and widen out doing um, icebreakers so it, even that <laughs> level yeah of social interaction you're being told what to do you know go and speak to that old sister mm. that, that you've never mm. spoken to before you know mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. and you do feel like you have to be liked by everyone you yes. know so yes. I am like you know innately a people pleaser anyway but then being told you have to widen out you have to talk to everyone you have to be at the meeting preferably 15 to 20 minutes before oh, yeah. it starts for wholesome association and then don't leave straight afterwards stay about 15 20 minutes afterwards for wholesome association <laughs> yeah. um all this is in your mind mm. and you're like oh my goodness i've got to be here this time i've got to speak to this one this one this one and then oh i haven't spoken to her before i remember having this sort of anxiety you know like mm. oh my goodness have i spoken to enough people have i not do they like me why don't they like me i sure i must have done something wrong so mm. that they don't like me and I remember there was this German sister in our congregation and they had just had one of these widening out talks. I thought, right, you know, um, I'm going to be really good. I'm going to speak to this woman who terrifies me. She was terrifying. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, so I went up to her and I was like, oh, hey, blah, blah, blah. How's it work? And she got really offended for some reason, <laughs> really offended. And then ended up counselling me on what I should speak to her about oh, in the goodness. Kingdom Hall. And sent me a Watchtower article mm. on things that you should talk about in the Kingdom Hall. And apparently uh, work is not uh, one of them. Uh, so uh, I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm trying to do the right thing, but I keep mm. getting it wrong. <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah. all, it's interesting to kind of think about this as like the other end of the, of, um, I think about the other end of love bombing. So I was just thinking as if you go into the, into the hall, you know, however, if you're new or you come like, so I've, you know, even as a child, sometimes if I was, you know, going with somebody cause they were babysitting or something, I remember that lots of people would come over and talk and like, Oh, you're lovely singing. You know, a lovely voice. And like lots of people, like, you know, cause they still knew me. It's not like I went and I was a new person. They knew who I was. Um, so I'd be lots of like hello and oh but you don't remember me do you I'm this person you know oh you were so little when I last saw you da, da, da. Um, and I'm thinking I wonder you know for, for when they do that with the you know sort of older 
like more adults that they're going to speak to. I'm wondering how much pressure there is to be the one doing the love bombing. So we always talk about it from quite a negative manipulation point of view where it's like, oh, these people come over and they're using this tactic, you know, you know, against you or to, to get you or whatever. But you think about it from the other point of view. I mean, how how often were you any any of the people that were in doing these things and not thinking, well, this is a good way to, you know, this is a tactic. It's not like you're doing it in some sort of cynical no, way. You didn't is think it? about it like that, did you? you no, you, you thought you're doing you the right thing and it was stressful it. and pressure to yeah, do it, absolutely. right? Yeah. So it's like there's no there's, you know, in terms of I think it's important when we say we we try and reiterate we're not like ever going after the people that are like in it at the no at this level because you're all you're all kind of going through it, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and and either being the person being love bombed or the people that are, are doing it think there's pressure on both ends you think you're doing the right thing you know there's all this external just bombardment <laughs> um, yeah. and I guess it's important to mention that sometimes as well absolutely and you know I, I really try to make that clear as well when I'm talking about um Jehovah's Witnesses sort of collective I'm never ever criticizing the person because I have been that person you know and all you're doing is trying to do the best you can you know mm. um it, it's more the organization that I have yeah. issues with yeah that's that's really we, we try to do the same it's, it's important we don't want people to be nasty to Jehovah's Witnesses that they've got enough no. trouble <laughs> no, exactly. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah uh, okay well we're getting to the end of our conversation i think but i i always like to think about the future um uh, as our kind of final discussion um so what, what are you looking forward to um thinking about you've you've left now you've got this great podcast you're um how do you sort of look to the future now because that's one of the things that you're told you won't have a future if you leave so what what are you guys looking forward to no i was just going to say building a community um, our own community and also uh, expanding on the XJW community. For me, um, it's just getting everything out there, talking to people, sharing ideas, sharing experiences, and all just kind of being united. I think for me, that would that would be something quite um, quite good, and and it would help everybody, especially those who are um physically um, in mentally out that's it physically and mentally i yeah i always get that wrong um mm-hmm. but just those who are thinking of leaving and who just need a little bit of help mm-hmm. deciding um yeah and just building on mm-hmm. that cool yeah laura um mine is a little bit more selfish um <laughs> i am just relishing um this very maybe in the last few years newfound feeling of I'm okay I am fine there's nothing wrong with me there's nothing I have to do I am fine just as I am and that is a wonderful feeling that is amazing so whatever happens whatever I decide to do you know whether I decide to have a family travel the world um start up my own business whatever is great and is what's meant for me and I can do whatever makes me happy um so that's what my future looks like and it looks a hell of a lot better than it did <laughs> Mm. that's brilliant it's like a a weight is lifted off your shoulders isn't it um and you're suddenly able to uh to make decisions again for yourself yes yes absolutely and it takes a while to sort of develop those Mm. thinking skills doesn't it because they're just taken away from you to make those decisions oh who's going to make that decision for me what's it say in the bible what does that old white man say about it yeah yeah so yeah that's taken a while but i i, I think i'm getting there yeah brilliant Sharpen your critical thinking skills i think oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes trying yeah. to Absolutely. <laughs> yeah well that's um that's again something you have to learn isn't it because you've never done it you know you've never you've never read a passage and expected to be critical about it really you know that's that's what you learn later when you start to to look at um education anew you know you realize that reading a paragraph um then 
being asked a question that is in that paragraph is not that's not study it looks a bit like study <laughs> but it's not really study mm. um and that's that's something that i think is quite shocking when you leave especially if you go on to do sort of further education you suddenly realize that that thing we were doing in the kingdom hall that's not study mm-hmm. that's different you know study mm. is completely different so yeah um i think that's that's another really important difference cool right well um just want to say then thank you so much uh both of you for coming on the podcast today um and you know we we again recommend our listeners uh, go and check your podcast out it's called two girls one cult um so narissa and lara thank you for being on the cult hackers podcast today thank you for having us thank you